You are listening to the Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Sad day for baseball yesterday. We knew it was coming, uh, so it's not a shock. There's still the element of surprise, though, that you go, you guys negotiated that long, that many hours. The deadline, deadline passed. How can you have a deadline, then you let the deadline pass? It's not really a deadline if it's not a dead, true deadline. And then it's like, we've extended the deadline. Well, then that wasn't a deadline, was it? Baseball canceled its first two regular season series. And I don't know what's going to be the aftershocks with this. I don't know how long it goes. Now you're looking at probably a season of 156 games per team, not 162. I would probably pose this question to the casual sports fan. Did you know when opening day was? You know, they they could move it back if they wanted to. I'd be okay with that. Have it April 10th. You know, I'm, I'm fine with any of that. Baseball should be concerned about the casual fan. Because you're, I feel bad for the diehard, the hardcore baseball fan. Because they do watch 162 games. The casual fan may tune in to see Shohei Otani or Mike Trout, Clayton Kershaw pitch, Garrett Cole pitch. Maybe watch a couple of innings here and there. But opening day, it's a big deal. It's always been a big deal. And you don't have competition. You know, there's no football to get in the way. Uh, March Madness, okay, you know, that'll be around. But you still, March Madness will be ending in the first week of April. But, you know, Major League Baseball is, you know, drawing a line in the sand. They've done this before. And when you think about it, I always hate when you have negotiations that go right down to the last minute or we have to stay up all night. You don't have to. Every one of these work stoppages or strikes that I've covered, and I'll go back to football lockouts, uh, replacement players, and it, it, it's, it's truly a game with these two because you, you want to feel like you got something, but you want to make sure the other side hurts a little bit. But you know exactly what the trigger uh, points are. If it's this, it's that. Seems like the middle ground. Hey, we're this close. It's, yeah, but we can't get there yet. It's almost like you go, no, got to make you hurt a little bit here. But you have to give the appearance that you won. And, and you know, so there's this, it's, it's, a, it's a game of semantics, it feels like. But the commissioner, this is what he does. The commissioner talks to the owners. They give him marching orders. He goes up there, and then he's going to take the slings and arrows. This is what happens. I mean, I, I, I've been through all of these things. Commissioners, it's the same stuff. The owners, same stuff. You know, the players are showing more resolve. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that through the years of covering these things. Oh, the players are showing more resolve. And then all of a sudden, you'll have some of the players saying, hey, you know, let's get back. I'm losing this amount of money. I know how these things play out. Now, the one I didn't see was 1994, where we lost the World Series. That one shocked me. But that's the extreme case. Hopefully, you know, they come to some kind of common ground. But they don't care about you. You know, I, I always like when the owners are saying, oh, you know, these salaries are crazy. Who's who's paying the salary? Who who decided they wanted to give Giancarlo Stanton three hundred million dollars or Garrett Cole three hundred million dollars? If you can give it, you can afford it. The players are just saying, hey, this is what we want. 
You don't have to give it to them. It's not like they're going to go to play for the Yami Yuri Giants. I mean, come on. These owners, like we never know, you know how much money they make, how much they siphon off. It's easy to blame the players. We see the players. We get to go and watch them play. We don't get to sit around and, and watch an owner be an owner and get to boo, you know, get to cheer. I mean, Mark Cuban gives you that opportunity, but... I mean, this is, it's sad. It really is. It's predictable, sad. But it seems to happen every couple of years in different sports. Some we care about, some we don't. And with baseball, you know, the rapid decline of viewership. And, you know, it used to be there was more of a curiosity with baseball. It felt like the casual fan would give baseball a chance. Now it just doesn't feel like that. And the NFL is a 12-month, you know, a year sport. And we have so many more options here. Back when I was growing up, I didn't have options. You know, you had three channels on the TV. You're watching what they, they showed you. Whether you wanted to or not, you're like, all right, this is good. But I think baseball, baseball didn't slow down. It's just we're faster. We think faster. We do faster. There's more things now. Uh, multitasking, no, no patience here. And, you know, it's unfortunate because baseball, when baseball had its work stoppage, then after that you had the Cal Ripken uh, breaking Lou Gehrig's consecutive game streak, and you had the home run race. Well, you don't have that magic dust you can sprinkle on the game. And that's sad because you do have a lot of young, great talent. And being able to showcase that, you know, that's, that's what's lost here. Will they come back? Will the players make their money? Yes. Will the owners make their money? Yes. Uh, will the fans come back? Yes. The diehards will. You know, it's, it's a regional sport. It's a local sport. You watch your team. Football, we watch every game. Even the NBA, you might watch more games that aren't in your local market. You might go out of your way to watch John Morant now or when Zion was playing or Luka. NFL, NFL's watching everybody. Baseball, it used to be that you cared about the game. It's not that way. Today's baseball fan cares about his team, not necessarily everybody else somebody comes to town you get to see them or you're gonna listen on radio watch on tv and there are healthy markets with baseball it's just baseball is no longer america's pastime it's past time that's the problem all right seat you got a poll question for me today we sure do dan all righty major league baseball starting to cancel games makes me angry makes me sad has no effect on me player don't play whatever can you guess who wrote that? Todd. Yes, it is. That's the Todd Fritz. Of course it is. Gave me a lot of different options there. Uh, Todd, I'll ask you. Canceling games makes you feel what? It makes me sad that it's come to this, that they can't figure out a way with the millions and billions being thrown around to get the season started on opening day. And uh, I'm more sad than angry Were about you it. really planning on watching games in April? I do watch games there, but I don't start to finish. Maybe not, but uh, you know, at least opening day. And I think I start out revved up, and you'll you'll watch a couple of games, and then then it's like you know I'll get back to it maybe summertime, right. and then the pennant race. What else do you have, Seaton? 
The cancellation of which league's season would bother me the most? No, no, no. You can't ask that question. Because it's the NFL is a clear yes, winner. Yes. Right? Yeah. Paulie? I like this poll question because I want to see how overwhelming it is. I was wondering if the other three sports could even combine to be near the NFL. Will it be 90%? I, it'd be higher than that. Wow. I, that, I almost want to prove it. All right. Give me 15. Boom. Poll question. Throw down. All right. Let's go. Okay. Throw down. Over throw under down. 93%. Oh. Pie to the face. Pie to the face. <laughs> pie to the face is the new. Uh, I know it is. Yeah. It, that, that's how you settle something there. Yeah. I, I, you know, people would be devastated if the NFL was delayed. Shut down. Hockey. No. Basketball. Maybe. Uh Baseball, we're going to find out. Yeah. It's just we find other things to do. That's that's the thing. You just go, okay, that's not available. All right, I'll do something else. We, we have that at our fingertips, literally at our fingertips. You can start streaming something. Like, all right, that's not there. Figure it out. It's like when football ended. There's no other season where you go, God, the season ended. What are we going to do? When the NBA ends, you don't go, God. NBA's over. What are we going to do? Baseball, over. What are we going to do? Hockey, what are we going to do? Would we, would we appreciate these uh, commissioners if they had more personality? Because sometimes they get up there and they tell us the news. Or why don't you hire somebody? Why, do, why didn't baseball hire Cal Ripken Jr. just to get up there and go, man, we tried. Like, we're going to believe Cal Ripken Jr. Like going, yeah, okay, Cal said it. All right, all right, yeah, we tried. All right, well... Get back there, Cal, at the negotiating table and let us know when you're going to bring a season. You know, Rob Manfred gets up there and you're like, uh, you may not like the guy to begin with. Gary Bettman. Every time Gary Bettman brings the Stanley Cup on the ice, he gets booed. I mean, it's like I would hire Gretzky to bring the Stanley Cup out just so you know it's going to be a joyful celebration. It's like everything's great. You just won the Stanley Cup. And ladies and gentlemen, the commissioner of the National Hockey League, Gary Bettman. <laughs> Roger Goodell. You know, people dislike him just because he makes $60 million a year. Yeah, Paul. So you're saying bring in a faux commissioner yes. for every league. An but, ambassador. So he doesn't really go to the meetings with the hardcore no, money. He stuff. can. He well, like, can. If the NFL had um, Howie Long as a commissioner, okay. who doesn't like Howie Long? I like Terry Bradshaw. Terry Bradshaw's fun. Everybody loves Terry. Yeah. Terry can get out there. Mario Lemieux comes out there and gives you the news. Everyone likes Mario Lemieux. Yeah. But he works with the Penguins. Okay. So I'd have to have a neutral party. Like Mark Messier comes out. All right, who's going to mess with Mark right. Messier? Right, I wouldn't argue no, with him. Nobody's going to mess with him. Yes, Tony. I think you need a commission that's like flamboyant and wild, like The Rock or something like that. Or Hulk Hogan <laughs> back in the day. Let me tell you, brother, we're going to get both sides back to the table, and we're going to get this figured out. Opening day will happen, and something like that. Gonna, oh, man, this guy's going to get it done. They're going to figure it out. For sure. I give you credit. You've been waiting decades really to do was. that impersonation. <laughs> what are you going to do, brother, when the lockout ends all over you? <laughs> uh, take the rest of the morning I'm off, done. Todd. That's a walk Take off there. Yeah. Uh, this program brought to you by Simply Safe. We love the uh, new wireless outdoor camera there. See what's happening outside your uh, house right from your phone. And uh, you always know who's there. Claim a free indoor security camera plus 20% off interactive monitoring at simplysafedan.com. Coming up, we're going to play a game. It's the game is called The Game That I Watched Last Night. 
that you'll never guess, or at least you'd be hard-pressed. Guess the game that I watch. That's the game. Guess the game game. Yeah. And I, I started watching this game, and I couldn't stop. Now, I did watch the Lakers and the Mavs. I'm watching, and I think the Lakers are down 23 in the second quarter. And there were a couple of isolation plays with Luka on LeBron. And it's rare when I feel sorry for LeBron, but you could look at Luka going, I like this matchup. Like, normally you wouldn't expect that, but Luka's like, all right, good. They switched off, and I got LeBron. And then, you know, the Mavs sort of went through the motions, picked up the win. Uh, LeBron had an interesting comment after the game. We'll have that for you coming up. We'll settle on a poll question. Phone calls are always welcome. Got new T-shirts, by the way. Great new bunch of T-shirts there. We also have, um, it's based off the Night at the Roxy, and uh, it's a damn three-piece T-shirt. You asked for it, (laughs) at least I think you did, but you're going to get it. It's the the Todd Fritz damn three-piece Give give the backstory so people know if they do buy the T-shirt. We do have an unbelievable March Madness T-shirt available. Uh, Dan Patrick, St. Patrick's Day T-shirt as well. Uh, Todd, give the backstory. Uh, when I lived in L.A., I went to Laguna Beach. I was living in L.A. It was like my first couple of months there, and I went to uh, Laguna. I got this this uh, linen three-piece suit, and uh, it was very expensive, and I wore it to some party like later that week, and I banged into this really muscular guy. He almost spilled his drink all over himself and his, uh, his girlfriend, and he turns to me and he goes, Damn, three piece. <laughs> and I, within minutes, I just kind of left. It wasn't my scene to begin with, and that was uh, my uh, note to like, just get out of there and get that off. It's so good. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Or stream us live on the Peacock app. Whenever there's a story about uh, TV, TV sports, Andrew Marchand is the guy, the New York Post senior sports media columnist. He's been killing it here in the offseason. And uh, Andrew joins us now. Andrew, where do we stand with Troy Aikman? Has he, wait, what's holding up him going to ESPN to do Monday Night Football? Yeah, that's going to happen. He's going to go for five years and 90 plus million dollars, uh, which is pretty good. We'll take him through ABC slash ESPN Super Bowl. Uh, the average salary will be more than the deal Tony Romo got a few years ago. Uh, that was 10 years and $180 million from CBS. Uh, so it's just not official yet. There's some paperwork uh, that has to be done uh, and we're waiting for other shoes to drop. So if they make an announcement, they may wait and try to make a double announcement. Because if you're going to spend that money on Troy Aikman, and this is no offense to Steve Levy, but you're not going to have Steve Levy paired with Troy Aikman. It, or are you? Is that still a possibility? Or are they, they looking at making a big splash with Al Michaels or Joe Buck? So, yeah, this is the list for them. The first they're going to see if Fox will allow them to talk to Joe Buck, who has one year left on his contract. He makes $11 million to be the number one play-by-player for the NFL and baseball for Fox. Uh, And so that's their number one. Aikman and Buck are are close. 
Uh, they've been together for two decades now. Uh, I could see that happening. Uh, if it doesn't, they'll look at Al Michaels. Uh, they like Al Michaels. Al Michaels is, you know, late 70s. Uh, the question for them is, does he get you to that Super Bowl in February 2027? Do you kind of pushing the bigger issue off for a while? Uh, internally, Chris Fowler's their national championship caller. Uh, they like him. Uh, to me, he's not as strong uh, as these other guys. And then the other wild card would be Ian Eagle uh, from CBS, uh, who's the number two mm. on the NFL. Uh, for them, uh, who has a contract, but um, I think they would try to uh, possibly uh, finagle him out of his deal. Well, so what's Amazon doing on Thursday night? So they've they, Al Michaels, NBC, and Al Michaels um, uh, bid ado basically after the Super Bowl. So Al Michaels is their number one choice. Uh, it's a three-year deal. I think thirty-plus million dollars is what's on the table. Um, and uh, Al has been kind of ninety percent, but he's been waiting to see who the analyst is going to be. Uh, first wanted Chris Collinsworth to come with them. Mm. Collinsworth doesn't want to do two games. Uh, then wanted Aikman. Aikman was close to signing with Amazon where he possibly could have split his time between Amazon, who will have exclusive rights to Thursday Night Football come this fall, uh, which is a big milestone for TV, just going straight for NFL TV, going straight to streaming. Uh, and then after that, he he really he has a close relationship with Sean McVay. They dinner together with their wives and McVay's fiance. Uh, Allen has one wife, so I should say wife. Um, and so uh, <laughs> don't want to start any rumors. Uh, so they 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 have a relationship, obviously for Amazon. Al Michaels, probably the greatest play-by-player of all time, Super Bowl winning coach. Uh, that would have been pretty good, uh, but that's not happening. McVay is staying, uh, and so did McVay uh, get an offer, Andrew? So it never got to that. I mean, the Rams knew that that was out there, that he could have, they, Amazon, from what I know, would have gone to five years, a hundred million dollars, that range. Now, you know, he's going to talk, I think later today, he might say, oh, there was, it was there. I mean, I could get into all the, how everything works, you know, the inside of it, but uh McVeigh, there was real interest. McVeigh, ESPN went after McVeigh two years ago, tried to get him for Monday night um, after the Witten Booger uh, arrangement didn't work uh, in terms of analysts. Um, and you listen to McVeigh. I mean, you know, you can only go by so much people say he has an interest in doing this. Yeah. Um, the Rams, either, it, it, I'd be surprised if, you know, within five years, McVeigh is not a broadcaster. If you look at, what he said, he wants to, he's getting, he's getting married. He doesn't want to be a football lifer. Um, but this Rams team has a chance to win again. He has the quarterback, but then he leaves. Um, then he can decide to come back to coaching. Like I was joking, Daniel, like this is that I wanted him originally to sign with ESPN. So then I could start writing about how he's leaving ESPN. Um, <laughs> to coach. Uh, so uh, McVeigh is somebody on there. Now Kirk Herbstreit is someone who's high on Amazon's list. All right. If Al Michaels goes to Amazon, you think he'll be paired with who? So Herb Street, I right now I would say is someone um, who I would most likely um, to me is a very good choice. Right, you're picking a broadcaster, not a quarterback. So the fact that Herb Street never played in the NFL, I think you know what kind of analyst you're going to get. And when you're Amazon, you're starting this new service streaming people have to find it you know that's why they want al michaels they want it to feel big they want it to feel familiar um and i think al at this point he's still great 
throws 90-92, um, not 95-97 in his prime, but 90-92, still very good. Herb Street's a perfect complement for him. You know, does Al like that? You know, Al likes the stars, Madden, uh, Collinsworth, Aikman, McVay, those type of people. Herb Street's a star in college, not in the NFL, so will Al be totally pleased with that? Uh, I don't know. The wild card. Joe Buck goes to the ESPN. Suddenly Fox has an opening to do the Super Bowl two of the next three years. Al Michaels has done 12 greatest ever. Yes, um, wow. a little bit older, but I, I look, I'm not saying Fox would do that. I think more likely Kevin Burkhart moves up. Um, very, you know, he was excellent, ready to do it, in my opinion. Great guy um, and deserves it. Uh, but do you say, look, we just lost Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. Al Michaels is out there. We get him to do two of the next three Super Bowls. Um, and kind of, I kind of wrote Michaels did the, uh, Tom Brady thing this past Super Bowl, great performance, you know, kind of put that stamp on. If Again, it's a silly argument, but this is what I cover, uh, who the greatest play-by-play of, player is of all time at 78 to, to have the game he had. Um, but now you go off and get two more Super Bowls, and, you know, Summerall did 12, Al's done 12. He gets the 14 uh, in terms of Super Bowl. Uh, that's a pretty good exclamation point on a career. What are the Mannings paid for the Manning cast? So nobody is – I know I've heard numbers not confirmed, but yeah, I look they're in that neighborhood of where Romo and Aikman is the ESPN, the way that they're able to, to somewhat pay these people um, is that they make it a digital deal. Now, obviously Disney overall is making ESPN plus um, a priority. So that budget is bigger. Um, so Peyton does Peyton's places. He has Omaha productions. So that money is kind of, goes through there and and those are real things i mean they've been successful peyton's places have been successful for espn plus i mean you know success is defined you know different ways but people do like uh peyton on those shows and um from from what i'm told uh in terms of what they see internally in, in terms of those streams but yes he's in that range he's making a lot of money uh to to do the 10 manning cast from home uh it's a pretty good deal for both sides though it was, it was, it was excellent for espn as well you know and that's why it was kind of a little bit like oh well they had the manning cast you know do they need aikman yeah uh, but they're looking towards that super bowl yeah and i wondered about that too that troy is going to miss out on a couple of super bowls with fox where he's going to get one super bowl with the mothership it looks like but then you have the manning cast and plus, when you work on Monday Night Football, you don't just work on Monday Night Football. You you get put through the car wash there. He's going to be on Get Up. He's going to be on, you know, radio shows, you know, Van Pelt show. Like, that goes yes. along with the territory. I agree with you, Dan, most likely. But I will say, like, when Romo was talking to ESPN – and I was so ready to write the Romo rules. I couldn't wait to write it. Uh, if he had gone to ESPN, I don't think Romo would have been doing everything. Like, I think he would have just done the games. Uh, and I, I agree with you. You know it better than I do. The ESPN culture is you do all these things. And maybe Troy will end up doing that. I don't know if that's in his deal that, no, I don't have to do all this other stuff. I just want to do the games like I did at Fox. Um, but, yes, if he does, it's a different animal. Um, and also that broadcast is more scrutinized. Now the Manicast takes a little bit of the pressure off the main broadcast because people can go to that if they're not as, if they're not as interested in the game. But you know, Sunday afternoon on Fox and CBS is the best window. First off, it's the most viewed. Those games are watched by more than any other uh, window. And secondly, 
everyone is doing a lot of different things on Sunday. There's more than one game. Uh, you get to watch your team on Sunday, generally speaking. There's fantasy that's even more uh, active than it is on Monday. So the focus isn't as much on you, uh, the broadcast team. On Monday night, you get a lot of bad, you know, you get some bad games. Focus is on the broadcast crew. And that, in the defense of the Steve Levies and the Greasies and the Riddicks, et cetera, that is harder they've gotten, they have a harder task than these other teams. And when they're compared, that's sometimes kind of unfair. Romo changed all of this, didn't he? Yes. So, and, and look, from CBS's point of view, the reason they, the people are probably listening, why would you give Tony Romo 10 years, $180 million? The reason they did that is because the NFL broadcast deals were all up. CBS, NBC, ESPN, turned down Amazon, got involved, Fox, and so ESPN wanted to get Tony Romo with the thought that that would help them get Super Bowls and get these larger deals. Because if you look at the, what the most important um, property in sports and in television overall, 85 of the top 100 shows are the NFL. So the reason they did that, they wanted Romo on their side. Um, could they have gotten him cheaper if they you know, negotiated a little bit differently? probably, but it didn't happen that way. It worked out. I could go through a hundred different things that worked out for Romo. And he ended up with that crazy contract, 10 years, $180 million. And then you have the ripple effect. Of course, Aikman sees that, you know, he was making um, around 7 million, you know, in that range at that point. Um, and he's, and he's like, I'm the, you know, I'm a better quarterback hall of famer. And I've been doing this for 20 years as a number one. Why am I not paid that much? And, and now he is. Yeah. You just, um, do they really matter? Like, when I, am I going to stay, am I going to tune into a game because Tony Romo's doing it? Uh, am I going to tune in for Troy Aikman? Am I tuning in for Al Michaels? Or Chris? Like, how do these networks uh, evaluate this, that this is worth it? You're going to stay with me longer. I mean, how many of those broadcasters do we really tune in because they're doing the games, Andrew? A hundred percent. You know, like what you do, for the audience, you're the attraction. So whatever you get paid, you're listening to the Dan Patrick show and the Danettes, and that's the show. And obviously, you know, the money, you know, can be similar to what this money is. Um, you know, you can tell what you make if you want, Dan. Um, the, uh, but the, uh, when you look at the games, uh, yeah, these people do not make the ratings change. What they do do, though, there is a star power to it. It does feel bigger, um, and that's important. And the bigger thing is it's important to the league. The league wants these booths to be feel like number one booths. Um, but I will say this, like before the Romos contract, they just mentioned why they did it. I was told by NFL brand, it doesn't really matter to us. You know, at the end of the day, they're going to take the, what the highest bids are um, for these contracts. And then in terms of watching, you don't like, so when you look at Fox's decision with like Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson, let's just say Joe Buck leaves, they just have to really feel confident that come Super Bowl Sunday next year, they're going to be able to do a good enough job that the focus isn't on them. You know, it's great if they do an amazing job and everyone thinks they're awesome and they get great reviews, but you can't, you can't have it where that the focus is for whatever reason on your broadcast booth instead of the game. That would be, you know, just PR wise. Does it, does it go dollars and cents? Does it matter? No. I mean, the Monday night football ratings were up 
last year. Uh, so do they really need Troy Aikman to make him go even higher? No, but they want that marquee. Uh, and especially when you're still negotiating maybe for Sunday ticket with the NFL, uh, Amazon's about to make their booth. Uh, it didn't happen, of course. You know, Al Michaels still might happen, but Al and Troy. Uh, and then you come in and you say, no, we'll get Troy. Not only that, we're going to get Joe Buck, uh, maybe. Uh, then that, do- that, could- that does probably help you a little bit. Who is the sports media MVP? Well, I mean, I, look, what you like, I'm not like kissing butt here on national uh, TV, but I think what you, McAfee, Colin Coward, Chris Russo, Stephen A., Skip Bayless, I'm not saying you're the MVP, but in terms of value, right, you're doing an entertainment value. The talk show host or, or the big time podcast, Big Cat and uh, uh, PMT, PFT com- commenter, um, that type of person, you know, that's the show. So you could argue that, again, I guess who's worth the most. The, those people are probably worth the most because there's no Dan Patrick show without Dan Patrick. There is a game without um, without the game. So I guess, so I mean, look, if you, you asked me, this is kind of, I'd say McAfee right now, right? Like he is the one who is not, you know, you, you did this kind of, you left, um, ESPN and started your own thing. But now McAfee's doing it where it's just YouTube, so just the pipes. Um, he's on Sirius XM, but he, um, but so, so he's creating his own. Everyone else kind of has an attachment. Like even Stephen A, um, he's very important to ESPN, but Stephen A leaves tomorrow. ESPN, I don't know, do they make less money? Maybe. I mean, first take makes some money, um, and Stephen A is important. And can you replace Stephen A? You probably can replace Stephen A, but with who and how confident are you that you're going to get the same ratings and make as much money with that show? So I would say the talk show host type is the, the opinionator is uh, opinionist are the, uh, the ones who are probably the most valuable. Thank you, Andrew. We'll be, uh, we'll be watching. We'll be reading. Great. Thanks, man. And that's Andrew Marshawn. He's the New York post senior sports media columnist, also co-host of Marshawn and Orand, the sports media podcast. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Hey, I'm Doug Gottlieb. The podcast is called All Ball. We usually talk all basketball all the time, but it's more about the stories about what made these people love their sport and all the interesting interactions along the way. We talk to coaches. We talk to players. We tell you stories. You download it. You listen to it. I think you'll like it. Listen to All Ball with Doug Gottlieb on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We always love talking to Albert Breer. He makes us smarter. Senior NFL reporter for the Monday morning quarterback. I'm going to present the team. You present the biggest issue and how will it be solved? Let's start with the Arizona Cardinals with Kyler Murray. The biggest issue I think right now um, would be the relationship between the quarterback and the team. And I know that that's, you know, kind of a, like, I, I guess it's an obvious thing now, uh, but I do think it's a unique situation, Dan. Um, you know, I, I think in a, in a certain way, it's what we're going to see with every quarterback, right? In, in, in one way, it's after three years in the current system, the way it's set up, you draft a quarterback in the first round, that decision comes after the third year, and you look at most of the guys who got big second deals from their teams after being drafted in the first round, 
Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen. Those guys all got deals after three years. So that in that way, this is like a lot of these situations. But because Kyler's so tied to Cliff and because things ended in such an uncomfortable way, and because even though they just signed extensions to the GM and the coach, Cliff Kingsbury and, and, and Steve Kime, there still is like unease within that organization. You can understand where, where if Kyler puts two and two together, he might say, I'm very specifically here because of Cliff. They're kicking the can down the road on my extension. And if we don't get something done this year, and if for one reason or another, Cliff's not here in 2023, well, then is 200, $250 million going out the door. So, you know, it's a, it's an interesting spot to be in. And I, it feels to me like, you know, Kyler's very much holding the Cardinals feet to the fire here. And it's coming at a time when there are questions on his leadership in the building. And so if this means he's missing April and May and June in that place, the problem kind of compounds on itself. If you, if you can find it, kind of follow that. Yeah, I think that's interesting. So he wants to get jump started in case something happens to Cliff Kingsbury, then he's still getting that that contract that he wants. Is, is that what you're right. saying? Well, and, and think about it this way too. His college teammate was Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield was way what was asked to wait a year ago. Is that extension coming for Baker now? Like, you know what I mean? Like, so I think in a lot of cases, a lot of times, like players, and they shouldn't be, they, they shouldn't trust teams. In these but why doesn't Kyler right? Murray bet on himself like Dak Prescott did? Well, because I mean, Baker Mayfield bet on himself, and how'd that turn out? You know what I mean? Like, and I think because the price point's gone up to a certain level, again, like, you know, these become more difficult decisions for the teams. And the Cardinals, by the way, haven't said they're not going to do a deal for him now. Yeah. The Cardinals just said, why don't we wait until the summer? Like, let's see if we can get something done in the summer. The problem I think Kyler sees here, um, and this is just kind of me putting one piece together with another. Um, the problem I think Kyler sees here is, okay, so if I report to the training camp in July and contract talks go nowhere, well, where does that leave me then? I got to get ready for the season at that point. My leverage is gone. So if I don't push the envelope now, I wait till the summer and I'm in the middle of training camp, it's very hard for me to kind of push the issue while I'm getting ready to play the season. It's much easier to push the issue in February and March. The Green Bay situation is always interesting, but Brian, <laughs> Brian Gutekunst, the GM, was asked, have you heard from any teams about yeah. trade offers? And he answered it by saying, no, haven't heard from anybody. That means you're open for business. Albert, it, it, instead of saying, we're not trading Aaron. We, we want him to be here. We expect him to be here. Now yeah. you're saying, no, I haven't heard from anybody. But if you know anybody who's interested in getting a quarterback coming off an MVP season, let us know. I think Brian Gutekunst is being very careful with his words right now. Because if he says, we're not trading Aaron Rodgers, what does that say to Aaron? That says, we control the situation. You don't. And Aaron doesn't want to see that. And I don't think the Packers want to have to navigate another awkward offseason the way they did last year. <laughs> so I think their priority is getting Aaron back on the team. And if you're telling Aaron, we are in control and we will listen to offers and then we will make a decision. Well, then that takes the control out of Aaron's hands. And so I think they feel like they're in a really good place now, Dan, like the best place they've been in a while with Aaron. And effectively, and I think I've said this to you before, like personally, on a, from a personal standpoint, I think the issue is largely fixed. Like 
the there was never an issue between Aaron Rodgers and Matt Lafleur, and the issue between Aaron Rodgers and Brian Gutekunst, and the issue between Aaron Rodgers and Mark Murphy, for the most part, isn't there anymore. But you think that's so, why there's there hasn't truly been? And are you trying to tell me Denver has not at least inquired about it? I don't know if I believe that. That's <laughs> I don't know if I believe that. I think the easy thing to say is no, we haven't gotten any calls because you don't want to talk about it, right? Like I, I like I, I'd imagine someone has inquired because when you talk to teams here in Indianapolis, right. And you know how this goes, like all these teams are meeting in the hallways and they're meeting with agents and all that different stuff's happening here. Like when you ask anybody about the quarterback market, what potentially could happen with Russell Wilson, what's going to happen with Sean Watson, what's going to happen with Jimmy Garoppolo, everybody's response is, well, you got to wait for the Aaron Rodgers domino to fall. And I think the likelihood is that he stays a Packer, but how do you figure out when that domino is going to fall, how it's going to fall, if you're Denver, a team like Denver, Carolina, Washington, what you do is you call the Packers, you know, yes. and you ask. And I think right now, and and, and look, Gutekunst could be playing with with semantics here a little bit, you know, like because if like somebody calls him and says, "Well, are you guys ready to talk about Aaron Rodgers?" No, we aren't. Is that really a trade call? You know, I just think he wants to avoid the drama in general. Like, I think if you like the answer to both your questions, is I think the priority right now for 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 Green Bay is to avoid stepping over themselves. It's a delicate situation. They want Rodgers back. I think deep down they believe he's going to be back. Yeah. They'll probably have to negotiate a new contract for him. And right now it's like it feels to me at least like they're in don't screw it up mode. Do you want to get in on the uh, Tom Brady, Mike Florio bet that we have going on here? What is it? Okay. Paulie bet Mike Florio. Florio says that uh, Tom Brady will be the starter in San Francisco week one. Week one. Okay. Yes. And it's a pie to the face. So uh, if it doesn't happen, Florio gets a pie to the face. Uh, If it does happen, then Paulie takes a pie to the face. Which side are you on? I don't think Brady, this is going to sound like such a cop out, um, but I don't think Brady knows the answer to that question. Like, I think that's why he left the door open. I think that's why he handled his retirement the way he did. And this is a guy, Dan, who has been, I'd say, like, actively afraid of the idea of, of retirement. Like, he doesn't know what he's going to do with himself. He doesn't know how he's going to channel his competitiveness. Like, this is a guy who I think for the last, I don't know, like the, the, the last 10 years, like whenever this first went on his radar. You're as, not answering you know, the question, Albert. I know. Where I, gonna, I, I, I don't. I, I personally think there's a better chance than not we see him play at some point again. Do I know? Do I think it's wow. week one? Maybe not. But I think we. I think, like, I don't think he left. I think he left football. I, I think the reason he left football was because maybe he wasn't wild about his particular situation. The family stuff plays into it too. Um, you know, I think you know if the Niners come along, and because here's the here's the key thing is if you're asking him right now to buckle down and play, you're asking for a 12-month commitment. If the Niners come to him in August or September, and maybe Trey Lance hasn't developed the way that they, they, they had hoped, right, then what are they asking for? They're asking for like four or five months. How different is that? It's a totally different thing, right? So I think it's something that's on Kyle Shanahan's radar. I think it's something that's on Tom Brady's radar. Like, I, I'm with Florio that I think it's a possibility. Do wow. I think it's a certainty? Would I take a pie to the face for uh, for it not happening? I don't know if I'd go that far. Okay. Yeah, that's our litmus test of, you know, how much you firmly believe in a story. Would the you be willing? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
you know, I'm, I'm watching Chris Ballard, the Colts GM, saying mm-hmm. that they don't really know what they're doing at the quarterbacking position. Uh, it's been seven weeks <laughs> since they lost yeah. to Jacksonville. Yeah. Like, what the hell have you been doing? How, how long does it take to figure this out where you go, do we want him or do we not want him? And then right. what happens? So what, what do you think the Colts will do? The operative question here is then what? Um, I, I don't think this is a yes or no. I think this is a what's available to us question. And I think Aaron Rodgers gumming up the works to some degree and carrying his decision into March, I think has sort of made it more difficult for teams like Indianapolis, like Carolina, like Washington, like Denver to really gain clarity on their quarterback options. And, you know, like in Denver and Washington and Carolina, we know those teams are going after quarterbacks. I think with Indianapolis, there's way more gray area. I, to get rid of Carson Wentz, they'd have to eat $15 million. Um, and you're t- so you're talking about like the investment in a new quarterback but it would be whatever it costs to bring in that guy plus the $15 million. That's sunk cost to get rid of Carson Wentz. And I think that for that reason, like whoever they're looking at has to rise to a certain level for them to pull the trigger on it. So do I think they're out on Carson Wentz? I think they're probably out on Carson Wentz. Could I see him back as like in almost like a de facto stopgap year because they don't have a better option this year? Yeah, I could see that. I think this is going to come down to not just Carson Wentz, but their options outside of Carson Wentz. And I think that's why they're sort of leaving a light on for him. Dak has surgery, minor surgery. They always say mm-hmm. it when it's not on you. It's when you have surgery, yeah. you know, I never yeah. viewed all of my surgeries and they went, that's minor knee surgery. I go, no, it's still sur- surgery, but it's on yeah. his non-throwing shoulder. Um, is this a bigger issue? Feels like it's being made a bigger issue because the media loves covering the Cowboys. Yeah, I think, I think it'll be all right. Like, I do think you worry a little bit about the accumulation of injuries with Dak to some degree, because he has been nicked up a lot. And, you know, I think for quarterbacks that are deployed the way he was deployed early in his career, um, where they did run him and they ran him by design a bunch. Um, I think that's something that you have to kind of keep on your radar. So am I worried about this specific injury? Not so much. Would I be a little concerned about the, the accumulation of injuries? And if I was the Cowboys, was I, would I be sort of trying now? Um, he's close to 30 years old. Would I be trying now to like look at him and say, we need to get you to do a better job of protecting yourself. We need to do a better job of protecting you in the way we call games. We need you to, we, we, we would like you to evolve into a guy who's, you know, going to, play a game that's going to be more sustainable from an injury standpoint. I think all those things are on the table. So I'm not worried as much about this specific injury, but the accumulation of injuries, I think is something that the Cowboys have to have on their radar. He's Albert Breer, senior NFL reporter, lead content strategist, the Monday morning quarterback, new interview rules at the combine there in Indianapolis. Um, Have you heard about what they're asking teams to do or not do the language, the tone of the questions? Um, I guess, yeah, I, you know, I'm, I guess it's a modernization of it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think it's like there's things that were accepted. I mean, because at the root of these interviews, um, you know, and these are the most the second most important thing. Like everybody makes a big deal out of the workouts. The two biggest things here to teams are number one, the medical number two, the interviews. And these guys are coached to such a level on how to answer questions and how to act in these interviews that, you know, it's almost like fraternity hazing. You know what I mean? Like, it's like. Like forever, the way that they handled that was we got to break the guy down. We got to make him uncomfortable because then he's going to reveal to us who he really is. And I mean, I grew up, 
you know, I think we all grew up with that sort of like coaching, teaching, like, like a lot of us did. Like people of this generation, of this generation, the age of guy, the, the guys, the age that are coming in the NFL right now, I don't think grew up with that. So I think there's like a modernization going on. You know, of course, lawyers are involved with this stuff too, and you know that. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a modernization going on in the way they handle these situations. And it does feel like, I mean, and I, I think maybe this is like a little bit like post COVID stuff, but, um, you know, I think as they take the combine, potentially move it and you see teams sending less people here, you know, you see guys, certain guys at the top of the draft now, maybe reverting back to saying, you know what, I'll just wait till my pro day. It feels to me like this week in Indianapolis, there's been sort of a reshaping of the way the combines run and the way certain elements of the combine are run. So it, it definitely feels like a lot of things are in flux and the interview process is part of that. Great to talk to you and have fun there at the combine. Thank you, bud. Thanks for putting up with my hostage cam too. I appreciate it. Y'all here's, here's another one over under first quarterback taken 13 and a half picks over. Ooh. Okay. Paulie's got a bet pie to the face on. He says he's going to, a quarterback will be taken on the first 13 picks. Let's do pie to the face on that. Okay. So you got a pie to the face bet with Florio. I'll do pie to the face. All right. Yeah. I had Albert uh, Carolina Panthers. I have not had one. I'm Polly. I have not had a single team tell me that any of these quarterbacks would be in the top five quarterbacks last year. I had another team tell me, that the number one guy that they have, like the the, the top rated quarterback in this year's class for them, has a would have the seventh best grade among quarterbacks last year, behind the five that went in the first round in Davis Mills. This is a really really shaky year at quarterback. Okay, pie to the face. So Breer's got the over. Paulie's got the under. Yeah, Paul. This is not really fair. Albert's a guy with lots of information and thought, <laughs> and and he really th- he has, yeah. people talk to him. Nobody talks to yeah, him. Yeah, we here. usually don't do research on this uh, show. Right. <laughs> Thank you, but Albert. You throw pies in people's faces. Yes, absolutely. Uh, that's Albert Breer, the uh, lead content strategist for the Monday Morning Quarterback. Yeah, you look at some of these questions that were asked to uh, the draft prospects. Over the last couple of years, you, of course, had the uh, Jeff Ireland and the Dolphins uh, apologizing to Des Bryant. They asked during a pre-draft visit whether his mom was a prostitute. The uh, former Falcons head coach, Dan Quinn, apologized to Eli Apple because one of his coaches asked the cornerback his sexual preference. Uh, Former LSU quarterback Darius Geis at the Combine. He was asked about his sexuality and if his mother was a prostitute. The uh, former tight end, Benjamin Watson, who played 16 years in the NFL, said that uh, it felt like he was being interrogated. You sit there in a dark room, a huge spotlight, and you're being interrogated for a crime. And the front office is in the back in the shadows. You can't see them. The guy grabbed my wrist and he's like, I can feel your pulse. So I know if you're lying to me. Have you ever smoked marijuana? I said no. And I really hadn't. I never smoked. He said, I think you're lying. I can feel your pulse. Are you lying to us? And I said, no, I'm not. I did that to Seton when I hired him. You know, I put him in a room and, and uh, he was actually smoking weed during the interview. So that was the tricky part. There. And said no, I had never. <laughs> yeah.